Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. Issues and uh, phenomena we wanted to explore, we came to this one on social media, and I immediately knew for a variety of reasons, that I needed some help with this one because I probably have shown this hand in here. I'm not a huge fan of social media. I'm not involved in it very much. I know almost nothing about it. In fact, my opinion of it is almost disposable because I don't know that much about it. So I knew I needed help. Enter Adia Middleton, who's going to help me unpack this. So Adia, let's just start with the basic thing of when you hear that phrase social media, um, you're obviously a little bit younger than I am, but when you hear social media, I too am an aspiring adult here at Oak Hills Church, but when you, when you hear that phrase, what, is that, what does that evoke? What does that mean uh, for you when you hear the phrase social media? Um, I think for me, it's basically just an added layer to my social life. Obviously, it is digital, but... Growing up in the digital age, it's just I've adapted that to part of my interactions. So interact with friends on there, post fun things. Um, yeah. So it it it's sort of builds on the friendships, the relationships yeah, you actually have. Absolutely. <clears throat> when you think about in whatever form, whether it be just personal or vocational uh, or whatever, what are some of the positives that you see in terms of social media? How can it? How is it used positively? How is it used in a redemptive way, we might say? Yeah, I, when I think of it, it's really connection for me. I do a little bit of that side of social media for my own work. Um, and then just obviously using it personally. So it is a means of connection. So whether that's for business events or that's for connecting with my friends who don't live in the U.S. or in my city. Um, yeah. So we were talking earlier about in, uh, in that theme of connection, um, Talk a bit about the differences that you perceive, whether they're real or not. I actually think they are. But what the differences you perceive in terms of how someone who's maybe my age that's involved in social media, uh, the differences between that involvement and someone your age uh, in terms of what that connection means. Can I use the example you brought up earlier? What's that? Friend example. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I hear more often than not from aspiring adults that are older than me that um <clears throat> sorry that the whole example of like well like what happens when you have like 5,000 Facebook friends but you only have like three real friends in real life and I strongly dislike that example because I feel like it's not true of my generation so much I think that's something that was true a while back but now I think my generation and sorry I won't touch my mic um have you had too much coffee today? I've, I, so I usually eat yogurt in the morning, and I didn't do that. And I also had coffee, and I'm just jittery. So You should post that on I'm Facebook. trying to talk about this. <laughs> you good? What's that? Good? That was good? Yeah, that was good. Yeah, your dad kind of laughed at that one. That's good. So that's good. Um, yeah, you asked me a question. So I asked you about... <laughs> about uh, the difference, connection for your age, the yeah. people that would be in your friend circle virtually versus... Okay, yeah, I think my, I think people who are involved in, like, the digital realm of the Internet, um, there is, we get enough content pushed at us that it is important to us to actually 
connect with our real friends on social media. So I don't see as much personally of the like, oh, I have a million friends. Yeah, yeah. And right. for me, I often go through and like unfollow people that I yeah. don't actually see anymore or don't, they don't put in the effort or I don't put in the effort yeah. to actually engage in a friendship. Like if I wouldn't say hi to them in real life, I don't know why I want to see what you're eating for dinner all the time. I think that's fascinating. I really do. I think that's uh, uh, just from an observation standpoint, I think the, as you describe it as part of your generation, you tend to, the social media, I think this is what you're getting at with the extra layer, you have connection already, you're with these people in some setting, you've had face-to-face conversation with them, and then the the social media element simply enhances the connection yeah, that's already added there. added touch point with that person, good. so we can good. send funny memes, probably not cat memes. That's but, helpful. And then hang out. So as you think of, lastly, as you think of potential challenges or yeah. as a Christian in the social media culture, as you mentioned, growing up in a digital world, never really not being around when connection and contact was possible through a virtual network. What are some of the challenges from a Christian standpoint that you see some of the temptations uh, related to social media? Yeah, uh, I think it, you don't have to have like a new theology about how you engage in social media because I think often how you just engage with people in general is reflected on your social media. Um, so there's that aspect of as long as you're being like formative in your own life, then there isn't that added concern in my opinion. But then there's also like it is you are behind a computer screen, so it is easier to say things you probably wouldn't say to someone's face or to portray your life a certain way or... I'm working out all the time right now, and I want you guys to know that I'm really committed to that. So I'm going to show you every, like, that type of stuff. Let me just ask something about that. When you see stuff like that, what, like, when you see someone post something like that, do you have an inner or outer reaction to that? I get frustrated. I personally, like, part of this sounds, I don't feel bad. I wonder often, like, what's causing you to, like, need me to know that you've been at the gym, like, so it doesn't come off as I'm just, I don't even know if this is still out there, but yeah. I'm not checking in. I'm actually, there's something else driving those types of things. I, yeah, I think if you really dig at it, that's there yeah. oftentimes. But if that's happening too much, you can like, you can cater your newsfeed. Also, I think it's interesting the way algorithms work with what you're seeing on your social media is Facebook and Instagram and all that. They want you to be on there. So they're showing you what they think you like looking at, so what you're actually engaging with on a regular basis. So if you're seeing highly charged political posts all the time, that says something. Oh, is that right? That says something about what you're constantly engaging in. Have you ever had an instance where a real friend of yours was doing stuff on social media and it went to a point where you felt like you had to get together with them to sort of say, you know, what's up, what are you doing? Like? Confrontation kind of thing. Um... No, I don't like confrontation. I would say the confrontation. You don't like confrontation? <laughs> Let's talk about that, Adia. I was asked to talk about social media, not that, yeah. You don't like confrontation? I'm not a huge fan. Really? I'm down to have a conversation. But Forget the social media stuff. Let's talk about this. I think we can meet during the week to talk about that. We'll meet during the week? Okay, very good. Thank you, Adia. Well done. As we think about this together... Uh, the old guy gets to talk, older guy gets to talk a little bit now, so bear with me. But great passage from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. It may not surprise you, there's really no place in the Bible that uses the phrase social media. So uh, 
this, I think, though, is the perfect passage as we think about this together. Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. I think this is a beautiful passage that marvelously frames our social media discussion in a kingdom ethic. It puts it in the context of kingdom principles, kingdom values, and kingdom ethics. Paul is describing here the quality of Christian relationships and the characteristics of the interactions in those relationships. And like every other hot-button topic we have looked at over the last several weeks of this pull-up-a-chair series, for the follower of Jesus, the values and the principles and the ethics of the kingdom of God are to determine and guide our social media presence. It's not excluded from the kingdom's influence. And that's the basic message I want to give today. Social media, as we know, is here to stay. It fulfills a worthwhile purpose in our culture. Adia spoke well about some of the positives around social media. We know social media opens up opportunities for some people who didn't have those opportunities without social media. It gives a voice to some people who didn't have a voice. It creates a global connectivity. Someone in Sacramento can actually have interaction with someone in Siberia. Our big, big world all of a sudden becomes smaller and more intimate thanks to social media. In addition, social media enables entrepreneurs and businesses to advertise their name and their product at relative inexpensive rates. And, and I don't know if this is technically under the banner of a social media platform. It probably isn't, but just to expand it a little bit and encompass this idea of connectedness that many of us enjoy, greater connectedness with our family and friends, just through the simple medium of text messaging as a way of communicating and connecting. So I want to say this off the top. My well-documented, well-publicized, frequently mentioned negative opinions of social media are only a portion of the story. And I recognize that. There are generational issues I couldn't possibly comprehend or explain. Adia does and did uh, way better than I could. I'm extremely skewed. When I think of social media, I'm going on record again. I don't like it. I rarely use it. I do the texting thing, but all this other stuff, I have almost no experience with it. And you should take everything I say with a whole uh, salt shaker in light of the fact that I don't, I'm not active in in that world. At the same time, 
You know, part of what I do and we do together is we reflect on things happening and try to bring a kingdom perspective to those things. And I'm hopefully going to be able to do that a little bit today. And I believe it is incredibly wise for kingdom citizens of all ages to think through and discern the formational or deformational power of social media. And I think it is incredibly unwise for kingdom citizens of all ages to just brush aside social media critiques with statements like, well, what's the big deal? I don't get it. Stop sounding old. Get with the program and so on. I like Pope Francis's statement about this. He said, social networks can facilitate relationships and promote the good of society, but they can also lead to further polarization and division between individuals and groups. The digital world is a public square, a meeting place, where we can either encourage or demean one another, engage in a meaningful discussion, or unfair attacks. The Internet can help us to be better citizens, but access to digital networks entails a responsibility for our neighbor whom we do not see, but who is nonetheless real and has a, dig- has a dignity which must be respected. And to his point, when we reflect on the difficult and contentious subjects we have considered in this Pull Up a Chair series, most of them are fueled in mostly negative ways through social media. Think of them, success, violence, politics, money, beauty. We could spend a whole bunch of time exploring how these topics and several others become a lightning rod on social media. Social media has a profound influence on how we think about these things and now, today, have a profound influence on how we interact with these things. And so social media is a cultural force. And citizens of God's kingdom have to pay attention to all cultural forces. Social media exerts profound influence on us. It shapes how we think, how we communicate, and how we interact with other people. What Adia just said a a minute ago, somehow these things track what it is we're talking about or looking at, and then they come back at us with advertisements and whatnot. That's an influential force. A whole generation of people is learning social interaction through a screen. And I just think we have to pause long enough to realize social media shapes our soul. It shapes our inner life as individuals, certainly. But I also want to suggest that social media shapes us as a faith community, as a church family, in both good and maybe not so good ways. Fifty years ago, when the word social was used, or something close to it, it meant something like being with other people. It implied gathering together and actually interacting with others. But today, the meaning of the word has changed. And I would suggest whenever meanings of words change, words that have meant something for a long time, when all of a sudden the meaning changes or is added to, I think we should pay attention to that. That's a powerful force, changing the meaning of a word. Because today, people can be social with those they've never seen or met. And again, Adia distinguished She thinks that's generational. She may be right, that those of us who are older are social, perhaps, on social media with people we've never even met. Maybe not so much the younger generation. Thirty years ago, calling someone a friend carried kind of a basic understanding and connotation. 
I've met the person, I know the person, I've spent time with the person, or at least I did when I lived near them. But today, the meaning of friend, again, has changed. That should get our attention. Years ago, I closed my Facebook account, and at the time, I think I had 450 friends, Facebook friends. And one of the reasons I shut it down, this may not be your journey, but it certainly was mine. One of the reasons I shut it down is because I kept, I noticed I was tired of trying to keep pace with others who seemed to have more friends than I had. So I'd notice they got some more, I got to get some more. So I'd start befriending people uh, who I knew and who knew them and them and them, and I never even knew them, but I'd say them a friend request and they'd say yes, and the number would go up one and I'd feel good. And then it dawned on me one day, in my 50 years or so at the time of life, I hadn't accumulated 450 friends. I didn't have 450 people who even liked me, much less would be my friend. And it all seems wise to me to just pause for the few minutes we've got and think about this from a kingdom perspective. We may not think of our cell phone or text messaging technically qualifying as social media. I'm sure in those who write about these things, it's probably not there. I looked up a few things and somebody said, well, it's not technically this, but whatever. Maybe it isn't. But cell phones and text messaging are so potent in shaping us and influencing our souls We might say it this way, we're a servant of the ding. When the ding happens, think about what happens. Ding, we grab our phone to see what it's about. So the ding has the power to arrest our attention at any moment, regardless of whatever else we are doing, even if what we are doing is incredibly dangerous, which is why they had to make laws saying you can't pay attention to the ding when you're driving a car. Social media is powerful. It influences us. And kingdom citizens whose first priority and first loyalty is to Jesus and his principles and his way are called to think carefully about these things and discern God's way. And again, say it one more time, generational differences for sure. But I kind of think of it like this. In 2019, in suburbia, we live behind walls. And those walls are not all bad. They're kind of part of the deal in suburbia. But it's spiritually necessary to occasionally consider the impact of these walls on our inner lives and on our souls, both our individual soul and our collective communal soul. The walls of our day are garage doors, fences, and screens. And to focus our thoughts today, we live in a culture where it's increasingly possible and tempting to hide behind the screen wall. So citizens of God's kingdom need to be intentional, very purposeful about the screen wall. And I want to suggest three ways to do that today. And the first is to show up and be present in real relationships. About 25 years ago, I came across a cartoon in some magazine, and it just instantly burned itself into my conscience, and I've never forgotten about it. So look at this on the screen. I love that. On the internet, nobody knows you're a dog. Now, this was back when it was just email, you know, AOL stuff. This cartoon pokes at one of the weaknesses of screens. It's easy to hide behind a screen. It's hard to be known through a screen. And yet a core human longing is to know a few others and be known by them. To be known and loved in our brokenness and in our pain And in our realness, what does that mean? That it's out there, people know who I am, they know my brokenness, my weaknesses, my pain, my struggles, 
but there is love coming back nonetheless. And there's this shared journey toward God and healing with a few other people who actually care. Real relationships, flesh on flesh, are essential in our journey of faith. Think about Jesus' incarnation. John chapter 1 and verse 14, the Word, meaning Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The infleshing of God, as it is sometimes called. God the Son left heaven and came to earth and put on human flesh to dwell among us. It's what we celebrate during Advent. But was the incarnation merely a means God used to fulfill his redemptive plan? Or was the incarnation an integral part of God's redemptive plan? And I hope you see the difference. So is the idea of coming to and being with and flesh on flesh an essential part of how life with God and others works in God's kingdom? And I would say it is. I believe the incarnation is more than a means to an end. God is incarnational. This is how he does his thing. He comes to, he infleshes, and we're to follow his lead. So listen again to Paul's words right out of our scripture reading. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, here's the language, clothe yourselves. That's incarnation. Put on with compassion, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. That's incarnation. And forgive one another. Put on love. That's incarnation. Flesh out love. Let the message of Christ, here's his words, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. That's incarnation. Dwelling. Being with. Putting on. One anothering. Social media is a means, and it is here to stay, and it has its purpose. But a whole bunch of social media is excarnational, not incarnational. It is out of flesh. It's disembodied. It's screen on screen instead of flesh on flesh. And it trains us to interact with others without actually being with them. And this is going to sound old and outdated and archaic and crusty. But screen contact can never replace real relationship and real connection. I like what Adia said. It can add to it. It can enhance it if it's there already, but it can't replace it. We actually have to have places where we show up. Where we are with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Worshipping God together. Encouraging one another. Feasting at the communion table. Praying for each other, laughing together, weeping together, submitting to his word together. And maybe most of all, tending to the presence of Jesus in and through each other. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. See, it's in the gathering together with others, in the interactions of these relationships through eyes and face and body and touch, we experience the presence of the living Christ. And so as kingdom citizens in a social media culture, we have to be intentional about showing up. Incarnation, infleshing ourselves, 
being with others in real relationship. I text Julie and our three children all the time in a group text, and I love it. It's the use of a medium for a social purpose, and I love it. The girls live in Sacramento. Julie and I are both work outside the home. Sam's busy establishing his life and his career, and texting is a marvelous way we stay connected. But texting is nothing compared to gathering together in our backyard and actually being with one another. Now, here's the thing, and some of you are thinking this already. No doubt it is sometimes much easier to virtually relate via text messages. The wall of the screen keeps the romanticized ideal of the family alive. But something formative, something soulful, something we use this phrase now and then, redemptively disruptive, a good disruption, good conflict, happens when our family, my family, incarnates. We're actually with each other. And we experience things and we learn things we don't experience and we don't learn through a screen. See, we live in a culture where individualism and isolationism are treasured ethics. Hence the walls of garage doors, fences, and screens. Social media, I would suggest to you, at times encourages this individualism and this isolationism. And as I said, it's sometimes just easier to deal with others through a screen than to actually deal with them. But easier does not mean better. There have been times when Julie and I have been in some sort of little conflict. She undoubtedly did something wrong and hadn't cleaned it up yet. But in any case, (laughs) something going on, and I will text her and say, hey, you know, can we walk through this? And oftentimes she'll text me back, I will not do this on text message. It's actually the perfect response. I mean... You've got to be with each other in the disruption of actually sorting that out. Some door can open through the texting, but you've got to actually work it out flesh on flesh. See, there's an inescapable accountability in being with others in actual relationship. The other's face and eyes and soul and body discipline my anger, soften my tone, and tame my tongue. It happens in this room all the time, all the time, probably weekly. I'm doing my bit, getting all high and mighty, and on and on we go, and I'll just pan the room, and I'll catch one of your eyes, and your story comes to mine, and this little committee in my head says, listen, you knucklehead, calm down, because that's a real person right there. Yet the disembodied world of social media sometimes promotes anger and converts the tongue through the fingers into a weapon. Last night, Julie and I and Sam and his fiance went to see Izzy play soccer in Stockton. We drove down together with our dog, Gus, in the back of the car, all together in this car. It was incarnation on steroids, all together, in fleshing, in the car, with the dog. So we were crossing over species lines as well. And we had an absolute blast. And yet, within a few minutes, all sorts of formational and relational, just little tensions and challenges had to be navigated in the moment. Nothing major. Personal preferences that had to be subordinated to the others, turn the air up, no, I'm really cold. It's all, though, rich and good and desperately needed for the formation of each of us in the car and for the formation of our family. And these incarnational and formational discoveries do not happen from behind the screen. Take a topic we've discussed so far in this series, 
violence, politics, sexuality. Let's choose the one we did on beauty. I think it is far more transformative for us to show up face-to-face with someone who disagrees with us on the topic of beauty or has a different opinion than we do and sit there and listen to each other and learn from each other. Far more productive than it is to forward each other an article or to forward an article to our Facebook friends on the topic of beauty. I would say do both, playing off of what Adia said. Send the article to an actual friend. And then get together with that actual friend and learn from each other. This idea of showing up and being in real relationships, as you can imagine, has massive implications for a local church like Oak Hills. You could just stay home and watch someone who's far better than I am at speaking on television. You could stream someone online, pick and choose. Who do you want? And those are excellent uses of technology for those who can no longer make it to a gathering. And they're terrible options for most everyone else. Because something happens when we gather in the name and in the power of risen Jesus. One writer says it this way, the church and the world are both places filled by God's presence. The difference between Christ's presence in the church and his presence in the rest of the world is a matter of intensity. He is present over and in the whole world. Yet Christ manifests his presence in fullness among his church wherever Christians gather in submission to his rule. So one quick thing. Tonight we are having a worship night for everybody in the church. Not just for young families, but they're invited. Not just for older people, but they're invited too. Not just for everybody in between, but they're invited as well. An all-church worship night tonight at 6 p.m., over in the family auditorium, for various reasons, not the least of which is to come together in the flesh, to be with one another in all of our difference, to worship God together, to hang out, to be face-to-face and see what God does. And I hope you'll join us at 6 tonight. Second suggestion in light of all these screen walls is to disconnect every now and then. In a 2014 study, some researchers brought people into a lab and asked them to sit alone in an empty room for 10 to 20 minutes without a cell phone, without an eye watch, without a whatever. They showed the participants some random pictures to kind of stir their thoughts they were going to have during that quiet time and give them something to think about. And they pointed to a nearby button, which when pressed would give them an electrical shock. And each participant... Uh, for practice, they hit the button, they said the shock was unpleasant, and that they would actually pay money to avoid being shocked again. The researchers then asked the subjects to sit and entertain themselves with their own thoughts, like I said, for 10 to 20 minutes, and there were only two rules. One, they weren't allowed to get up out of the chair, and two, they couldn't fall asleep. And if for whatever reason, who could imagine, they wanted to receive an electric shock, they could press the button, and they'd get it. And the results just baffled these researchers. They found about 70% of the men and 25% of the women chose to shock themselves during that 12 minutes instead of just sitting there and entertaining themselves with their own thoughts. So you know what we've done? We haven't done it yet, but we're going to. We're going to install shockers in your chairs. So when the sermon isn't giving you a jolt, you can just push the button. In 1654, scientist and philosopher Blaise Pascal wrote, All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability 
to sit quietly in a room alone. Now, that's probably overstated, but not by much. It's mind-boggling to think about how many moments of a given day were connected and then steadily bombarded with dings and rings. And kingdom citizens in a social media culture must disconnect every now and then for the sake of our soul. No phone, no email, no iPad, no dings, no rings. We must be intentional about disconnecting. Here's the deal. We have to choose to be unavailable. So our souls stay sharp and alert to the reality of God's presence and kingdom. Whatever good qualities social media offers, it also promotes ethics that are contrary to the kingdom and contrary to soulful living. Like what? Like the popularity contest of likes and thumbs up or thumbs down. I mean, let's just be real. It feeds the ego. It fosters unhealthy competition. I said this. I wrote this. And nobody thumbed up it, or only nine people did. How come that one over there got 40? It inspires discouragement. Look at that picture. I'm never going to have a car like that. It inspires discontentment. Wow, look at those pictures of them. They look like the perfect family. We're certainly not the perfect family. If I were to stop right now and the ushers were to come down these aisles and hand out a professional-grade photograph of me standing on the Golden Gate Bridge, staring pensively into the bay, with my hair filtered so it didn't look so white, and my teeth filtered to be whiter, and my face all airbrushed, you might think I was a real tool who was full of himself and lacked basic Christian humility. You might think that anyway. But social media, let's face it, breeds this kind of narcissism. I've been told that there are filters to enhance this and soften that to make us look better than we actually look. Somebody told me on Instagram I could take a picture of myself and this hair wouldn't be white. A few tweaks here and there. So then I could advertise myself to my 17,300 friends on Facebook and they'd say, boy, he looks good. I mean, I'm being a little harsh, but not really. As kingdom citizens, we just got to sit in this. Think about these ethics for just a second. Social media, as we all know, often encourages anger and vitriol and people saying things through a screen they would never say face to face. Screen courage or screen muscles. If you've heard of, heard of beer muscles, it's basically the same thing. Go to a bar, stay there all night, drink too much, come out, and you could beat up Muhammad Ali if he happened to show up. Same thing, screen muscles. I'm here, they're there, they don't see me, they don't know me, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we type things using a tone we would never use with someone who was sitting at a table across from us. Social media also preys upon our desire to be in the know, to hear it first. So we scour the various feeds to find the juicy tidbits so we can relay the information all under the headline of, did you hear about? Fill in the blank. And perhaps most soul-damaging of all, always connected means always distracted. We're addicted to the ding. The ding means someone wants us, someone needs us, something happened. So we grab our phone. Ding, we grab the phone, we check it out. Perpetually distracted and never fully present where we actually are. Craving another ding to fill our anxious veins with another dose of drama. It'd be so cool if someone's phone went off right now. I'd love that. 
social media and constant connection, here's the point, shape our inner lives. It forms us into a particular kind of person, a discontented person, a competitive person, an anxious person, a fearful person, a distracted person. Person who's on the run, trying to stay a step or two ahead of the painful and difficult thoughts that will emerge if there's too much quiet and unhurried space. Or say it this way, that social media is the button we push to give us a jolt when life's not given us a jolt. I think we know what Pascal said is true, or at least it contains truth. All of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Maybe not all of humanity's problems, but we know what happens to us if we sit quietly in a room alone. So we don't. We stay distracted. And we keep our ear tuned to the ding. And, Paul's words, the message of Christ that wants to dwell in us and among us richly is drowned out by the perpetual noise and the constant ding. The wisdom of the psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit is deleted by the ding of our friend in Topeka whom we've never met but who just posted a picture of his brand new cement gray F-350 truck. See, there's a thing called social media fatigue. I imagine you know what that is. Close your eyes for just a second. We're not finished, but we almost are. But just close your eyes. Social media fatigue. If you prefer technological fatigue. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? You grappled with that question lately? Where can I go and meet with God? How's your soul today? How's your body? If we were to let this empty space sit here for, oh, I don't know, 10 to 20 minutes, how would your mind operate? How is your will these days? What are you choosing? What's happening beneath the frantic surface of life? Where can I go and meet with God? You can open your eyes. Lastly, as we think about this screen wall, citizens of the kingdom have to advertise the goodness of the kingdom on social media. It's very hard to deal with difficult and complex issues on social media. And I know some people attempt to do this, but I think it's extremely difficult, and I think it's complex, and I think it's often a waste of time to try to deal with difficult and complicated topics on social media. It's too one way. Communication involves too many other things than just words. So I'd much rather a Republican O'Killian have a meal or coffee with a Democratic O'Killian and sit there and lead with their ears, listen to each other, seek to understand each other. Go ahead, disagree, debate, argue, but do it in each other's presence. I'd rather that than for those same people to send each other articles. Articles can be helpful, if they lead to an actual incarnational conversation. And just to kind of press in on this just a tad, one of the reasons 
I struggle with social media, and that's saying it too softly. One of the reasons I dislike social media is because Christians do so much damage to the name of Jesus by how they act on social media. The anger, the name-calling, the disrespect, the us-versus-theming, which is fed in social media. It advertises a God nobody wants to know and nobody wants to follow. Bottom line. It's embarrassing. I can't think of a better word for it. It's embarrassing to occasionally read what professed Christians will say on social media and how they will say it. See, who we are on social media reflects who we actually are. This is exactly what Adia said. Who we are on social media reflects exactly who we are. And that's sobering and troubling when you sometimes look at what Christians will put on social media and you think, and what does their statement that they are a Christian actually, quantifiably mean? Because I don't get it. Christians on social media often seem angry, mean, judgmental, combative, compassionless, and bitter. And they advertise a God nobody wants to know and nobody wants to follow. In the words of Paul from our scripture reading, whatever you do, whatever you post, whatever you tweet, whatever you forward, whatever you like, whatever you thumbs up, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. That is, do it all, post it all as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Advertise the authentic goodness of the kingdom on social media. And if that's too fuzzy, here's what it means. Whatever you post, whatever you tweet, whatever you forward, whatever you like, whatever you thumbs up in the words of today's scripture reading should be compassionate, kind, humble. Gentle, patient, bearing with others, forgiving others. And over all these virtues, whatever you post, whatever you tweet, whatever you forward, whatever you like, whatever you thumbs up, should be drenched in love. Let's pray together. Our Father, we are grateful for this beautiful vision of what kingdom living looks like relationally. Just an absolute alternative to the vitriol, the chaos, the anger, the hate, the screaming, the yelling, the coercing, the convincing, the berating, the name-calling, the belittling that goes on both in the church and in the culture. And we want this alternative. So we pray that as we interact in real relationships and in virtual ones, that we will be carriers of gentleness, kindness, humility, patience, forgiveness, compassion, and most of all, that we will be motivated by love to demonstrate your alternative way. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.